Keystone, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Deuteronomy 5. Uh, we're going to be in two different places this morning. Uh, Deuteronomy 5, verses 12 through 15, uh, and then we'll also be in Matthew, tw- or Matthew 11, 28 through 30. So you can put your hand there if you want as well. Uh, last week we started this series on rest called Press Pause, uh, the power of resting in a world of busyness. Uh, and, and last week we, we mainly focused on, um, the, the Bible kind of gives two, two reasons or two grounds for why we should rest. Uh, and we focused on the, the first one last week being creation and God's role as creator and the one who rules sovereign over all the earth. And so we, we talked about last week the idea of pausing to remember the goodness of creation and to wonder, even at small things like cicada shells. Uh, and, and just in case you thought I was over. Uh, reacting or, or overemphasizing my son's hunt for cicada shells. Uh, this is a picture I found this week in his Power Wheels cup holder. It's full of cicada shells. Like, dude, where'd you find all these at? I have no idea where he found all them. But pausing to, to wonder and remember the goodness of creation, pausing to remember that, that we're only human and we have all these limitations, and that's how God created us, to depend on him. And pausing to remember that he's the one who runs the world. And therefore, we, we can give our lives and trust our lives and the lives of our family and others to him and, and rest. But the Bible also roots resting in redemption and God's grace in saving his people. And so that's what we're going to focus on this morning. And that, that's a shift in direction from last week. But there's also kind of another shift of where we're headed this morning. Last week, we, we emphasized maybe some practices we might do on the surface that enable us to rest, like, like kind of building in pauses to our days, a rhythm of stepping back and just being able to pause for a moment, uh, building in the idea of get, getting us the sufficient amount of sleep that we need, building in a, a day off each week that we might rest. And, and so we might think of those things as being on the surface, things that enable us on the surface to be able to rest. And this morning, we're going to look at What's under the surface that might enable us to rest or hinder us from getting rest? Because rest is more than what's just happening on the surface of our lives. It's also about what's happening in the the depths of our souls, what's going on inside of us that enables us to rest or not rest. Here's a a picture that I think kind of illustrates this idea. Uh, This is a picture of the Bolton Strid. It's a little creek that's found in Yorkshire, England. Uh, And maybe it looks like a creek that you grew up next to or a creek that you have behind your house even right now. That that on the surface, it looks calm and peaceful. And yet it's said to be one of the deadliest creeks in the world because underneath there is a raging current that cuts out the rocks and spreads out and that if you would fall in, it sucks you under and pulls you under these rocks. That what looks calm and peaceful on the surface is actually frenzied and rushing and churning under the surface. Compare that with another image that we might think of with water. Picture yourself at the ocean and you're maybe jumping waves and you see a wave that's coming in that you know this is going to be too big for me to jump and get over. What do you instinctively do in that moment? You dive under the water, right? Right? because you know the the water underneath in that moment is actually calmer than
than what's coming at you on the surface. In, in one scenario, what looks calm on the surface is actually churning underneath. And in another scenario, what looks rushed and frenzied and rough on the surface is actually calm underneath. Now, what, what does that have to do with rest? I would guess we've all had moments in our lives where we've really not had much to do, or maybe even nothing at all to do, and yet underneath, we're still restless. Like, you, you can be on a beach in Cancun and still have your heart and mind running at 1,000 miles a minute, right? And, and on the flip side, I would guess there's been times maybe in your life or in other people's lives where you seem like they have a lot going on, and yet they seem very much at rest and at peace, even in the midst of what seems frenzied on the surface. Rest is about more than what's happening on the surface of our lives. Rest is about what's happening at the center of our souls. Or or, or the big idea this morning, we need rest that goes beyond the surface of our lives into the center of our souls. And so we're going to be focusing on what are some of the things that are going under under the surface that enable us to rest or hinder us from resting. So let's pray, and then we'll read those two passages, Deuteronomy chapter 5 and Matthew 10, 28. Father, we are, we are people who uh, bear a lot of burdens at times. Are people who, who easily get tired and exhausted, who fall down, who are weak, who are needy. And, and we confess our, our tendency often in those moments is to try to stand back up on our own strength, try to bear the burdens on our own strength. I say, I'll, I'll, I'll get through this, I'm strong enough. And God, I pray this morning you would show us rest is found in you. Rest is found in Christ. Rest is found in worshiping you and trusting Jesus and all he's done. And God, ultimately I pray that you bring rest for our weary souls, maybe our tired bodies, maybe our exhausted minds, or wherever we're at uh, as we rest in you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. First in Deuteronomy 5. 12 through 15, this passage is going to sound like an echo from what we read last week in Exodus 20. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. And if you want to jump ahead to Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30, we'll read that ver- those verses as well. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are labor all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We might, first of all, just recognize in that Deuteronomy passage that we read that that it's this almost exact replica, like I said, of Exodus 20, 8 through 11. Why why is that? Because there's two places in the Bible where the Ten Commandments are given. First in Exodus 20, when the Israelites reach Mount Sinai 
and then again in Deuteronomy 5, as the next generation of Israelites stands on the edge of entering into the land that God has promised to give them. And in both places, we find this command to rest, to take a Sabbath, to take a day off each week. But there's a different rationale given for why the Israelites should, and I'd say why we should as well. In the Exodus passage, it's God's creation and his role as creator. And in the Deuteronomy passage, it's redemption and God's role in saving his people. That we can find from this passage, Deuteronomy 5.15, rest is a celebration of our freedom from slavery. For the Israelites in Egypt, work was all they knew. They were slaves to Pharaoh and even more so to the idols of Egypt, the false gods of Egypt. And their value and worth lied completely in how many bricks can you produce day by day by day by day. I mean, this is a life of drudgery. This was a life of work with no rest. It was a life of slavery. But then God acts to rescue his people from Egypt, as Joel already hinted at this morning in talking about parent-child dedication. And I love how Deuteronomy 5.15 puts it. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Translation, Pharaoh and I had an arm wrestling match, and I broke his arm into pieces and you are no longer, longer under his hand of enslavement. You are under my good and gracious hands now. And therefore, you can take a day off and rest and celebrate your freedom that I've won for you. For the Israelites, in some ways, the, the Sabbath was like a weekly 4th of July celebration. Right? Once a year, we take a day off and we celebrate our freedom from the tyrant, King George III. And we remember all those who gave their lives and preserved our freedom along the way. For Israel, they took a day off each week and they celebrated their freedom from the tyrant Pharaoh. And they remembered the God who rescued them and is preserving their freedom moment by moment by moment. It was Israel's weekly way of saying, we are no longer slaves. We are God's people. You're no longer slaves. We are God's people. And yet, and what is, I think, one of the saddest parts of Israel's history, rather than worshiping God and enjoying the freedom and rest he offers them, they consistently, over and over again, re-enslave themselves. Re-enslave themselves. Worship idols that ultimately end up robbing rest from them. It's, it's a cycle we can see over and over again if we read through the Old Testament, and we find it kind of summarized in Ezekiel 20, just reading verse 16. For they had rejected my regulations, refused to follow my decrees, and violated my Sabbath days. Their hearts were given to their idols. Do, do you hear the tragedy there? God freed you and offered you rest. And instead, you worshiped idols and refused to rest. Over and over again, that's what we find in Israel's history. And, and it's really easy, I think, for us to read the Old Testament and to kind of look down our nose at Israel and say, man, what a, 
what a bunch of losers. Why'd they do that? What's wrong with them? Like, why'd they re-enslave themselves over and over and over again when God set them free? And we tend to miss that part of why we have an Old Testament today is that it's meant to warn us against the same things that we might do in our lives today. In fact, the author of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 4 points back to the Israelites and said they failed to enter the rest that God meant for them and then warns us, don't fail to enter the rest that God still offers you today. Because the reality is we are still prone to worship idols that rob us of rest. We're still prone to worship idols that rob us of rest. Our, Our idols look a lot different today in many ways but they're no less destructive to our lives and our rest. Idols hold out some elusive future promise of rest and make us work hard for it, but ultimately they end up robbing us of rest. Let me me just give three examples of this really quick, and you could probably come up with lots more idols that we might worship that would rob us of rest, but I'm just going to give three that I think are, are probably some of our tendencies. The first one is money and more stuff. And this idol says to us, you can rest once you have enough. You can rest once you have enough, right? Like once, once you have the iPhone 15 or a secure retirement, then you can step back and rest. And and the problem is that there's always more for us to have. And so we never end up being able to rest. Like iPhones, Amazon, and retirements don't bring rest to our soul because there's always more out there for us to get that we think, if I just have a little bit more, then I'll be able to step back and rest. That's that's one. The the second one I, I think of is the approval of other people. That this idol says, you can rest once people like you enough. Like our, our tendency, I think, is to think that that idol only lurks in the hallways of high school and middle school popularity contests. But it lurks in any heart where a desire to please other people keeps us from resting. Where a desire to earn other people's approval or keep them pleased from us, for, or with us keeps us from resting. And and what's the problem with it? I mean, we think about it just shortly and we recognize the problem. There's always going to be more people for us to please. And there's always going to be more for us to do to keep the people pleased with us who we think already are. That that if we're ultimately thinking, if I can just get people to like me more, then I can rest, we'll never rest. And, And when you stop and think about it, resting, taking a day off, is ultimately a form of letting someone down in your life. Like it's a form of saying no to something and letting someone down in your life. And if we feel like I can't let anyone down, then we'll never be able to say no and step back and rest. Or here's the third one. And this is maybe maybe the most prevalent for us. I don't know. It's achievement. The idol that says you can only rest once you've done enough. There's part of me that's suspicious that to-do lists and checklists are Satan's idea. And I say that as someone who loves to check things off a to-do list, right? Like there are times where I'll finish something 
and then I'll go back and I'll write it on my to-do list just so that I can feel that rush of endorphins and pleasure of checking that off. And I know I'm not the only one, right? But if achievement, if we think I can only rest once I get my to-do list done or once I have enough done, man, there's always going to be more to do. Like resting is the act of stopping in the middle in some ways and saying that can wait, that can wait. I don't need to do that today. In fact, the the only person who ever gets their to-do list done day by day by day is God, right? It's God. See, all these idols say we, we have to do something, we have to gain something, we have to be something in order to have rest. Now, there's, like I said, probably many more examples. And maybe one of the ways to identify where are some of the false gods we're prone to worship in our lives is just to ask what keeps me from getting rest? Whether it's sleep at night or taking a day off. Or when I do rest, where does my mind wander to? Where does it go off to? What am I thinking about and churning about underneath as I even rest? See, worship lies under the surface of our rest. And our inability to rest is a warning sign that something else has replaced God in our hearts. And our ability to rest is connected with our ability to be able to worship God. Here's how Adam Mabry puts it in his book, The Art of Rest. Ultimately, rest is an act of resistance against the siren calls of our idols to work for them. By stopping, we take up arms against the great Western gods of achievement, money, and self-determination. So when you rest, worship, I'm always a little amazed at how many people I counsel about rest, but who never open their Bibles on their day off. The art of rest is about learning how to rest with Jesus, not from Jesus. Rest is an act of us saying no to all the idols that call our names, and an act of saying yes to the God who has already called us by name and worshiping him. Now, in all those examples of idols, did you catch the assumption that laid behind them? There's an assumption that laid behind each one of those. And here's what it was, or here's what it is, I think. Rest is ultimately a reward that we earn, right? Like, if I have enough money and stuff, then I earn rest. If I get enough people to like me, then I earn rest. If I achieve and do enough, then I earn rest in some ways. This, I think, can be the prevailing view of our culture, that that rest is a reward I earn for a hard day's work. Rest is a reward I earn for putting in 50 to 60 hours each week. Rest is a reward I earn for putting in 50 weeks each year. I work, therefore I earn whatever rest I get. Now, I I do want to be careful here because I think rest and work absolutely affect each other. Our ability to rest is affected by our ability to work. And our ability to work well is affected by our ability to rest. But the Bible teaches Rest is not a reward that we earn because of our hard work, but a gift that God freely gives to us. Rest ends up being a picture of the gospel. That rest is a gift we receive, not a reward we earn. 
Just listen again closely to Jesus' words in Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and work for me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do you view rest as the paycheck you have to earn with your hard work? Or do you view rest as the gift that God freely gives you? Because how we answer that question will reveal a lot about what we believe about God and what we believe about the gospel. We can rest because of who God is. We hit on this last week in relation to God's sovereignty, that we can pause and rest because our God is big and he runs the world, and so we can afford to be small and take time off. But, but in this passage, Jesus emphasizes God's gentleness and lowliness. He, he gives us a window into God's heart. What drives him, what characterizes him in some ways, he says, He's gentle and lowly, accessible and humble. That's incredible. God God is not harsh and demanding. He's gentle and lowly. God is not mean and distant. He's gentle and lowly. God is not critical and overbearing. He's gentle and lowly. I I, I just want to pause here and, and ask a couple questions. To think about when you picture God in your mind, what do you picture God is like? Do you, do you picture a God who has a stick in his hand and a furrowed brow? Or do you picture a God who has arms wide open and compassion written across his face? Do, do you picture him with clenched fists that you have to try to pry open? Or do you picture him with hands that are wide open and love to give good gifts to his people? Do you picture God as someone who puts more burdens on your shoulder, causing, calling you to do more and more and more for him? Or God who loves to take the burdens off your shoulders in many ways, even as you serve him and live for him? What we believe about God lies under our ability or inability to rest. I, I had a job uh, after high school where I, I can remember working there, and, and one of the people who worked there, who wasn't my boss, but was still kind of like above, the, above me in the chain of command. Uh, I remember that he just always seemed angry and upset. Uh, it just always kind of seemed like something was wrong. Like always just kind of seemed like there was nothing good enough that would like please him. And, and I remember when I was around him, I would kind of like tense up tense up because I was convinced like he's just looking for what I'm going to do to screw up and then he's going to point it out. And and I compare that to the the person who was actually my boss at that place, a man who was incredibly gracious and kind and gentle, a man who, in some ways, he was the first one I would want to go to if I did screw up, because I knew that, like, even though I'd have to admit I messed up, he would be kind and gracious to me in the midst of it. Which one of those is more God in your mind when you picture him? Is God impossible to please in your eyes? Because if he is, we better never rest. We better keep working hard. Or is he gentle and lowly and says, come here, 
lay down, put, put your head on my lap and get some rest because I'm gentle and lowly and I want to lift your burdens off your shoulders. We can, we can rest not just because of who God is, but also because of what he's done. That we can rest because of what Jesus has done for us. One of the greatest burdens I think we bear is the burden of trying to justify our existence. And, and, and we can word this in lots of different ways, but I think probably one of the best ways to word it is the burden of trying to prove that we are good enough, that we are worthy, that we are valuable, that we are important. And we can do this in all sorts of different ways. And maybe we do it thinking, I've got to prove to God that I'm good enough. Or I've got to prove to other people that I'm good enough. Or, or I've just got to prove to my own inner critic that I'm good enough. And that maybe, maybe we do this by looking at how well we're kind of doing the religious checklist. How good am I being today? How, how much am I serving God? How, how much am I doing the things I think he, he wants me to do? Am I reading my Bible? Am I praying? Am I, all these things that are good, but that we quickly turn into a way to prove ourselves before him. Or we can look to our parenting. Think, am I being a good enough parent? Am I proving my worth here? Or, or we can look to schooling and think, man, am, am I doing well enough at school? Am I proving my worth? Am, am I getting into the right college eventually? Am I proving that I'm valuable enough? Or we can look to our relationships. Or we, we can look to a thousand different ways. But if rest is ultimately rooted in what we accomplish in our lives, we will never deep down rest in our souls because we'll just constantly feel the pressure to keep performing to prove that we are good enough, to prove that we're worthy, to prove that we're valuable. But the beauty of the gospel is that we rest not because of what we've done or accomplished, but solely because of all that Jesus has done and accomplished. I mean, that's a beautiful thing when we grasp that and believe that. I, I was someone in high school and college who hated doing group projects. Maybe you're like me in high school or college. You can stand group projects. Because the reality is there was always one person in the group who slacked off and did hardly anything at all and they got the same grade as the person in the group who did all the hard work. It's like, that, that's not fair. This isn't right. I, I remember one project in college where we showed up to the class the morning we were supposed to present, and one of the guys wasn't even there. And so we had to go out looking for him, eventually knocking on his dorm room and waking him up out of his bed to get him there. And then he comes and he presents, and he's like kind of half awake. That guy got the same grade as me. That's crazy. That's not fair. He was sleeping in the corner half the time. The gospel is the story that says, I get the exact same grade as Jesus, even though I wasn't just slacking off in the corner, like I was not even there. Because he finished the work, I am justified. I never have to prove that I'm good enough. He's done it all, completed it all. Therefore, I can step back and rest. Like Jesus' free invitation, come to me all who are heavy laden and I will give you rest, is signed, sealed, and delivered with his pronouncement on the cross. It is finished.
it is finished. So how, how do we enjoy that rest he offers? By faith, right? Faith lies under the surface of our rest. This is what the author of Hebrews in Hebrews 4 tells us we must do if we want to enjoy the rest God offers us. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have to fail to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. It's pointing back to the Israelites in the wilderness. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. How do we enter and enjoy the rest God offers us? By working hard to get it? No, by believing that Jesus has won it for us and done it for us already. This is also what I believe Jesus is saying when he tells us, take his yoke upon us. Here's what John Bloom says about that. It says, faith, believing and abiding is resting on the hopeful promises of God. That that is the yoke Jesus calls us to put on, right? He says, let me take your heavy yoke of trying to prove yourself and you take my easy yoke of believing my promises and resting in what I've done for you. We can pause and rejoice because Jesus has done the work to save us. We rest not because we've done enough, but because Jesus has done more than enough. We rest not because we've proved for another week that we are good enough, but because Jesus forever proved it on the cross. We rest not because we justify ourselves, but because Jesus already has done that forever on the cross. So we can step back and breathe and rest. We no longer have to work, look to our work or our parenting or our schooling or our relationships or anything else to prove that we are good enough We look to Jesus and what he has done. We say, he's done it. He's proved it, period. It's over. I would say that that not only enables us to take a day off each week, but it actually transforms how we work the other six days of the week because we no longer work trying to prove ourselves, but we work worshiping the God who's already proved it for us through Christ. So we might put it this way then too. Rest is a continual transfer of burdens. Rest is a continual transfer of burdens. Every day, maybe not every day, but at least every other day, we wake up and I think we're prone to feel the need to justify ourselves. Right? Prone to say, I- I've got to prove myself again. I've got to show that I'm good enough. I've got to show that I'm worthy. I've got to accomplish something great with my life. Like we, we don't just enter rest one time when we believe the gospel. We preach the gospel over and over and over and over again to ourselves. That every time our sinful self flares up and says, you're not doing enough, we say, I know, because Jesus did enough already. Therefore, I can rest. And so it's this continual taking this burden off our shoulders and saying, Jesus has already done it. I'm placing it on his shoulders. But we might say, well, yeah, but there's still a lot of burdens we bear in this life. And a lot of burdens we bear in this life. The burden of being a mother or father the burden of being a husband or wife, the, the burden of maybe feeling lonely because we don't have either of those things, the burden of suffering, the burden of working at a job that is miserable with a boss that you can't please, the, the, the burden of no longer being able to do the things we want to do in our lives, the burden of an unknown future, the burden of family and friends who don't know Christ. Like there are all these burdens we carry on our shoulders. 
How can we rest when there are so many things weighing on us? We make it a habit to transfer our burdens onto Jesus' shoulders and find rest. You, you and I were never meant to bear the weight of all the burdens in our lives. And when we do, we forfeit rest that Jesus offers us. My, my parents have uh, this camper that we occasionally take out for the weekend. And there's been several times where we took it to uh, the Camp Hebron church camp out. And I remember the first time we, we drove it up there, we drove it using this Honda Pilot as the thing that was towing it. But, but the camper was like too heavy of a weight for that Honda Pilot, right? So we definitely avoided going up that steep hill that went to Camp Hebron. But, but even on the highway, you would get on the highway and you just like start to feel it shake. Start to feel it shake. And especially if there was wind, like it would pull you back and forth. And I remember sitting there driving it like my fists were clenched around the steering wheel. My shoulders were tight. Like I couldn't take my eyes off the road. It's like, I'm going to do something to screw this all up. It, it, it was not restful at all. It was miserable. Compare that to then the next time we went up. We had a truck to tow that camper, right? All, all of a sudden, yeah, there was still this burden behind us of this camper, but we had this truck that was meant to tow that. I, I, I'm driving with one hand talking to people, like, is there a camper behind us? Yeah, we've got a truck. We can handle this. The, the pilot was never meant to bear the weight of that camper. The truck was. You and I were never meant to bear the burdens of this life alone. We're meant to put them on Jesus' shoulders and ask him to help us and carry us along. We, we give Jesus our burdens and he gives us rest. I mean, think about that passage in Matthew we just read. Come to me all who are weary and heavily laden. You bring me your burdens and I'll give you rest. That's an incredible trade burdens for rest. You're offered that trade in your fantasy football league, you better take it every single day. That's the best trade ever. I'll give you my burdens, you give me your rest. We tell him, Jesus, here's what's weighing me down. Here's what I'm anxious about. Here's what I'm worried about. Here's what's crushing me this morning. Would you give me peace, give me comfort, and bear me up today? But so often, we hold on to those burdens and we think, I've got to bear this alone got to bear this alone. And yet we need to daily hear Jesus call, come to me, all who are weary have laden, and I will give you rest. Place your burdens on me, and I'll give you rest. And this is where I would also say we, we need to share our burdens with the body of Christ, the church. Our tendency is, uh, my tendency is, to gather with other Christians and to think, I've got to appear like I have it all together. We don't. We don't, and if we do, we'll end up forfeiting rest because it'll just be more pressure to perform. Rather, we're called to bear one another's burdens, share with each other. Here, here's where I'm weighing under some burden. Would you pray for me? Would you come alongside me in the midst of this? We give Jesus our burdens. He gives us rest. And then we might say trust lies under the surface of rest. A trust that says, I believe Jesus will take care of my life. I believe he will take care of my burdens. I don't know exactly how, but I believe that he'll take care of it because he's good and he's powerful, and so therefore I trust him. And I'll trust other Christians enough that I might lay my burdens on them as well and ask them to care for me and pray for me. Rest in many ways is what trust looks like in action. Now here, here's the last thing we'll say this morning. Rest is a taste of the future 
we are promised in Christ. Rest is a taste of the future we're promised in Christ. The, the reality is rest is difficult in this life. I guess you feel that. that. There are so many times where we do go after idols that rob us of rest, right? There, there are so many ways where we still set out to prove ourselves, and so we don't rest. It's difficult to trust Jesus with the burdens of our lives when they're weighing on our shoulders. Rest is difficult in this life. And so it's really good news that while we get tastes of rest in this life, especially in taking a day off each week, the ultimate rest still lies in the future for us. Here's how Hebrews 4, 9 through 10 puts it. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. It's the idea that even while we experience rest in this life, the ultimate day of rest still lies in the future for us. The day of rest that God has promised to us. And the good news is that in our best moments of rest here on earth, it's just a taste of that future rest. I don't know how many of you remember the ice cream Dippin' Dots. It's still around, but it's not around as much. And, and I remember the first time I saw Dippin' Dots reading their logo or their promo. And maybe you remember what it says. The ice cream of the future. It's like, great. When I dip my spoon into this bowl of Dippin' Dots, I'm tasting the future. Who wouldn't want that? Well, Dippin' Dots, unfortunately, is not the ice cream of the future but it's a picture of the fact that when we enjoy rest, we are dipping our spoon into the future and tasting the future that God has promised to us. And so on your best days here on this earth, when you're at peace and you're resting and everything is going well and you're trusting God with all your burdens, man, that's just a taste of what's gonna come one day for you and I in Christ. And on the days that are weary and burdened, and you just feel like, I can't make it anymore, it's too hard. We remember, but one day is coming, one day is coming, where I will rest perfectly in God's arms. So we can rest today, rejoicing in the truth that because of Jesus, your future is one of eternal rest with him. Let's pray. Jesus, we bring our burdens to you whatever they may be this morning. We bring the burden of trying to prove ourselves, put it on your shoulders and say, you've already done it. You've finished it. Thank you. We bring the burdens we bear in our lives. We put them on your shoulders and we say, we trust you with them. Bear us up, lift us up, carry us, help us in all we face in this life. Jesus, we love you. We trust you. We look to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.